Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. Live from the path, we're going to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston, proper. Mike, what are you laughing at? <laughs> just watching the opening of the show, and I'm like, where are all these people? <laughs> it's got credits of these like full-time guys here. Like, I haven't seen these dudes in years. We've got to get a new intro, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need thrift store priest in there. He holds down the fort. <laughs> hey, that's true. That guy's here all the time. All the time. <laughs> studying is. the word. Hanging out. <laughs> all right. Uh, you're listening live from the path. Thanks for joining us here on this uh, balmy Monday evening uh, or whatever day it is, wherever you are. I appreciate you hanging out with Live from the Path. Uh, hey, if you ever have any um, anything that you want us to, to talk about, like uh, interesting articles or anything, uh, definitely shoot us an email. Here's what I get. I get emails all week, uh, but it's not from any of y'all. It's Actually, pe- people I, trying to sell me stuff. I had, a, I had a lady, a very dear friend of mine, actually, that was... Very upset that because she listens to the show on a podcast or whatever, and she can't call in and rebut some of the things we were saying. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. So we might have to, we might have to man the phones <laughs> like twenty four hours a day, and then people will call in and say, "Hey, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm a minute fifteen. I'd like to rebut." Hey, that's a great idea. Let's let's. I'll set that up. I'll, I can. We can use like a Google number and uh, a Google voice number and, and put a uh, voicemail on it, and then we'll check the angry voicemail during the week. That's a great idea. Can, I mean, can you just set up a, a Google number? Doesn't cost you nothing? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Excellent. Okay, good. This is, <laughs> this is a great idea. I love being rebutted. Yeah. Okay, good. So yeah. we're going to set up the look live from the path. You completely missed it on this conversation. Yeah. There's and no... That- that way you can still make the call while you're driving and listen to the podcast because you don't want to get type out a, a full length email for just for that thing. Well, then we can mock them the next week. Yeah, well, yeah. We, what is their wrong? Ah, they're ridiculous. Yeah, I suppose we'd have to rebut again, and it'd be a long rebuttal. Like it would take a week or more, depending on if we run the show, and then a couple weeks would go by, and they'd be like, "Oh, that was your rebuttal." Well, I'm calling the voicemail again. Counter rebuttal? That's kind of redundant. Unless they're right, and then it would take at least two weeks to get an apology out of us because because <laughs> <laughs> everything is delayed. That's how they used to do it, though. Like when people would correspond arguments with each other uh, yeah. in the 1840s or whatever, they'd send a via post. <laughs> it's going to take a yeah. while to get there. Set, set a, it's a, we'll call, I mean, you don't want to call it a complaint line, but like it's a something. It's yeah. a phone in to live from the path, and people get to leave a message and be like, you know, here's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Have right. that ready by the next show, Ben. All right, I'm going to see what I can do. I'm, wait, 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 hold on. If we had to choose between a new new opening montage or voicemail, what do we want? No, we got to do voicemail. I mean, those dudes might filter in every once in a while. Okay. One of them lives out of state. I, I got, he, okay. he might be iffy. Well, here's the deal. I got there's, there's, there's We got two extraneous boys on there. Uh, I got to give them a chance to say, uh, to say look, look, I got to read you the montage. Like a final subscription letter? Like, yeah. listen, we haven't heard from you in X amount of months. <laughs> I don't know. Would you like to cancel showing up at Life from the Past? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think Dave Herrick's out. I mean, he's, <laughs> you're right. He's, he states away. I mean, I feel it'd be, it'd be weird to hire a John Booba the fourth. I mean, you know. No, it would does, not. Does that the, sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think you have something. Does the, Boo, does the Booba line end with John Booba the third? Or no, that get is a, replacement a great Booba? idea. Yeah, actually, you know, it was weird. I was, I was driving in today, and I thought, um, uh, like, there, uh, I, I, like uh, realistically, I don't know whether Booba's come back to show. The man just got busy with some stuff. Um, but, like, I thought, hey, boy, he just kind of faded away. Like, we should do, put, bring some finality if the man's leaving. And, like, uh, should we do a, a, a goodbye show to Booba? Yeah. Like we, with uh, past clips? We can weep and, 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 and uh, go over his, his, his greatest hits. Yeah, I mean, I haven't gnashed my teeth in a while. Now's yeah. the time. Yeah, this, this is a great idea. Okay, all right. So, okay, so we need the complaint line, and then Booba's greatest hits on cue for the we'll departure need of Booba. Salad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And some um, gross, Dan. You better not. You better buy that from the store. I, oh, I will. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want me want me making that. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, good. We're set up. Now that we've taken care of business, <laughs> I'll. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome back to life in the path. Here's <laughs> what you hear. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. When's, when's the last time you done a you did a devotional? Ooh. Um, no, I've never done one. Dan, 
You, you mean like from a devotional book where you read some little fluffy thing and uh, a little half prayer and a verse at the end? Okay, so, I mean, you've... you've or like uh, you've, sit down with the Bible and read it. No, not sit down with the Bible and read it, but let, I mean, let's take your, we'll chop a little bit of your negativeness off the front end of it. And <laughs> I, let's say it was a good one that you thought was... Clarifying. <laughs> uh, wait, have you ever read a good devotional? No. Okay. Have you read I've our, tried. our I've daily tried. bread? Is that the, the one they give is out? Is it the daily bread? The I've daily been, bread. Yeah, I've read, I've read some of them. Is that all right? Sometimes, I, you know, all, you know, when we make fun of people taking verses out of context and making posters and T-shirts, a lot of them come from those. That, that's, that's, that's actually why I don't use them either. Plus, yeah. frankly, I don't read my Bible uh, as much as I feel like I could. And so to fork it over to the devotional, I always feel like I should probably just read the thing. Because they're, they're, they're just not designed in such a way to like, give you something of substance and like, hey, this is what this really means. It's usually like, yeah, you can fly like an eagle. Come on, let's go. Actually, so I had, I, I, so okay, I should have stated this at the beginning. I'm <laughs> reading a devotional. <laughs> I think they're great. Yeah, yeah. Tell uh, us more, Eagle Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so one of the things, one of the things that they were talking about, and it, it takes something completely out of context, and then painted it with this big brush, and I was super yeah. irritated with it. Yep. But, <laughs> but, I, what what I was having, it was it was to solve a different problem. I was having a hard time. I thought, what's the what's the 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 whole thing about a devotion that I'm missing? The content really wasn't as important to me as devoting the time, mm-hmm. as like setting the time apart and saying, "This is holy set apart time, and I'm going to do it." Dang it! And if I need some kind of cheesy whatever to get me focused and say, "Look, here's what I'm going to do," then that's what I'm going to do. And so I started reading this devotional, and I, you know, so far it's it's. It's real folksy. We'll put it that way. It's a folksy devotional. Okay. <laughs> and so anyway, like one of the points that they were making is is they had said that um, what it said the Pharisees had said something, and then um, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said you know something something something. I can't. It was like from Matthew four or something. And so um, what they did is they extrapolated the word knowing, went to the Greek, and said one of the possibilities for knowing for the definition of knowing is to see. Uh, with your own eyes. And so then they then further ex- extrapolated that, see, Jesus s- physically sees all of your thoughts. He knows what you're doing. And I thought, you've really taken some unde- uh, unrealistic liberties here, right? Like you picked one of the possible definitions. You could have just said he knows them. He doesn't yeah. have to physically take them in. Like he watches them like a movie. For them it's to be there or not, you know? And I thought, why? And, and then, uh, then they revealed why. It's because it was in a, it was a, the daily attempt was to uh, control your thoughts. And so, so because Jesus sees them too. Because he's going to change the channel. Yeah. And I thought, I thought you know, if I, could, if I could do that, I wouldn't be reading the devotional. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, hey, hey, my mouth I can control some of the time. My thoughts are wild. And so, like, it's, it's, it's the reason that you sit down and, and, and devote this time to God is an attempt to change your heart. And your heart feeds your brain, your brain feeds your mouth, and then good things come out. From the good part, the well cometh out. And that's the way that's supposed to work, right? But, like, if, if I could handle that on my own, I wouldn't be reading the devotional. I'd just change myself from being a jerk, and then we'd be done. <laughs> and I thought, man, you've really missed it here. You've set an unrealistic bar for somebody where they're like, if I just try super hard, I'm going to nail this thing. I'm like, not going to happen. You're just going to be disappointed, hate yourself, and then hate God for not helping you. And that's where you're going to end up. You know, I have – I run into that with – um uh, with my my wife, will every once in a while say, "Hey, man, why don't you why don't you do X, Y, and Z?" Right? Like, like you you never do this. And like, my only reasonable defense is, and this is this is this is the truth, is like it it never even occurred to me. Babe. Mm. I mean, and she says, "Why doesn't it occur to you? It should occur to you." And I said, "I totally agree. I do not know how to get things to occur to me, <laughs> like yeah. with without writing stuff down and putting like notes everywhere." Um, and like, and so I, this isn't the example anymore because uh, I've learned my lesson from this. But she'll be like, uh, "Hey, man, you you walk by down the hallway and maybe there's some folded laundry. You should take your laundry and put it away." And I said, "Boy, I mean, that's a, I, I'm right on with you. It's if a great I do idea. That, then you won't. That's uh, yes. There we go. <laughs> Why would I take that from you? You love this, <laughs> obviously. You live to serve. And so, um, and so, uh, like realistically, it 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 it, it does things like that. Like they don't always occur to me." And, like, I don't know how to defend myself because, like, I, I, have, I don't seem to have any control over what pops into your mind. Yeah, so okay, because from, the, from, from your wife's perspective, it occurs to her. And, right. when, and so she looks like that you look at the pile of laundry and go, oh, my wife will get it. 
and then roll past. That's right. Where your brain actually looked at the laundry, considered it not important at all, and then just moved on without you even having a th- second thought on whether you should pick it up or not. That's right, right? Like, I, I might look at the pile of laundry, and, like, it, right, it will occur to her to put it away. It will occur, occur to me to think, sweet, red shirt's clean, and move on. And, yeah. like, it wasn't intentionally attempting to, to, to skip whatever this is. It just legitimately did not occur to me, and I don't, I don't ever know how to fix it. I don't know how to keep my – because my, my, I feel like my mind, I don't have control over my own mind to, like, remember things. Because, like, I, I look at um, – think about it um, – uh, this happened at work once. I was, uh, we were trying to figure out something, and uh, I, I thought I, I figured out how to how to fix it. And they're like, "Boy, that's a great idea. Good job, Ben." And I thought I didn't really do anything. I just stared at this desk for like twenty minutes until something popped in. And then when it popped in, I recognized that it would solve the problem. I said, "Yes, I will say this out loud." But like, <laughs> I didn't put any skill or effort into it. It just showed up. And so, and I feel like uh, for the same reason I can't take, you know, credit for that, I also shouldn't, you know, be on the receiving end for leaving them laundry in the, in the hallway. Is that wrong? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, do you say the same thing to people that, like, are perpetually late? Like, that's just kind of their thing. They don't, they, at, when they're supposed to be at work five minutes from now and it's a ten-minute drive, it doesn't instill any type of panic or anxiety in them. They just go, well... Cutting it tight today. <laughs> and then continue at a regular pace. Uh, so kind of, although, see, this is where there's a difference. There's a, di- a distinction between, um, like, something that, that just does not happen, doesn't occur to you, and that you have to take steps so that you're, it is something that your mind will focus on. Um, but, like, I'm familiar with folks who are constantly late, and, like, in the face of someone saying, hey, we're going to be late, and they still don't have a react. Like, there's a difference between... It not occurring to you that you're running out of time and then having that, that thought and then refusing to acknowledge or do anything about it. I, th- I feel like those are two different things. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're, the, the statement you made before that one was like something that you could, that, that, that you should be attuned to and you have to take steps to move yourself in that direction. Why does the laundry not count that? It, no, it does. So, that, so, um, so that's what I said for like, I can't remember what this is. It wasn't the laundry. It was something. And I said, hey. If you could help me out, like I could, I'll try to put up things to remind me. And then, uh, if I miss it, like if you will remind me, uh, I'll be glad to do it. I just, it's not occurring to me. And the rebuttal from my wife was, I shouldn't have to remind you. You should just think of it. And I said, shoot, we're back to square one again. Yeah. I can't fix my own life. No, you can't. But, but, I, but th- that's what I should do is like, I, I you, you have to, uh, you know, make, make a list or make a sign or just do something that reminds you to do things. And then your mind will, um, the reason my wife thinks of it is because she does it all the time. And so if I start doing it, then you will start to remember it. So, like, you put those things in your life, it will, it will start to work. Um, but, uh, but I think it's getting there that is the rough part for me. That's a tough, that's a tough uh, ethereal question. One that's happened to all fellas. Why didn't you think of this? Yeah. I want to think of it. Yeah, if, but, you, you know, I mean, it happens, it happens to the girls, too. I mean, um, how do I be delicate about this? Uh, you know, early in our marriage, I, I might have been thinking, hey, it's the second Thursday of the month. Uh, this would be a good time for intimacy. Sure. And my wife would be like, well, I never thought of such a thing. I'm thinking, how could you not how, think about yeah. it? How did this not come up? Not with Dan walking around. I look at me. <laughs> I, I unbuttoned one of my buttons on my shirt. I mean, how would that not be your first thought? <laughs> look at this beacon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it happened to be on my mind, but not hers. It was more of a priority to me than, than it was to her. So she right. just wasn't thinking about it. And that's kind of how it is with, like, well, say the laundry. Uh, it's like, well, it's on her mind, but not on yours. And, it's, you know, it's just like that. Or remember to get the oil changed or, like, just, like, things yeah, yeah, that you yeah. might be thinking about that they might not always be thinking about. Uh, and, and, like, I mean, that's where the, the, a good partnership comes in play, right? Like, you can help. We got, we got all yeah. bases covered. Uh, mine just you generally have to focus on manual work. Actually, there was a, I had a solid win this week at my house where my wife said, hey, it's starting to get a little chilly outside. It's time to switch the fan directions. Ooh. And I laughed and I said, I always switch the fan directions. <laughs> <laughs> I always take care of that behind the scenes, woman. <laughs> Don't you worry. That is right I'm in my permit. <laughs> Every fan in the house, I flip the toggle switch. When, it, when, when I check the heater out and make sure the furnace is going to run, I make my yearly run to the fan and I go, click. <laughs> and I didn't even run it by you. I didn't set a schedule. I just took it in because that is my my fiefdom. <laughs> I run the fans. <laughs> and I thought, it's the first time I've ever been on top of something in my whole life. <laughs> or like her reminder was actually just a ad- admonition that I've already done it. <laughs> you know, usually a reminder is a gentle reminder that you've forgotten this multiple times. Right. Not this time, bro. <laughs> I switched them fans. <laughs>
Hey, yeah, pro-marriage tips. Switch the fans this week. Yeah, yeah. This is the week. If you live in the Midwest, it's time to switch the fans so they do the downward steady up. Hmm. I mean, it might. It feels early, Mike. It no. was like 80-something. Yeah, but you're not turning your air on because it, it gets down to you know mid-50s or whatever or 40s at night. And so your house, you shouldn't be running the air. So that way you're, you're just moving air around. You want, it to, you want it to pull the heat in. Okay, all right. All right, I think I can do that. Uh, I mean, anything else on that devotional action? That's tough. It's tough reading. I'm sticking with it, though. I started it, and I'm going to finish it. Dang it. Here, here's a little uh, confessional uh, about devotionals. Uh-huh. Uh, back, in, back in the day, we used to run the youth group, and um, there was a daily devotion for the deaf in Council Bluffs, and they had a daily devotional. And, you know, uh, they, they always wanted material. And there were two or three times I had our youth group sit down and write devotions, and I thought, this will get them in the Bible. And uh, uh, many of those were accepted. Uh-oh. And I'm thinking, you know, as I look back, I think, I doubt they were, you know, extremely deep. Right. Um, and they, they kind of also told us not to go too deep because it was for the deaf, so, that, you know, there's vocabulary issues and so forth. Right. So I thought it was, well, this is perfect then. You know, high schoolers could do this then. And, but I don't know how many of them were mature enough spiritually to have something to say worthwhile. So they probably, you know, did the, hey, you're an equal thing. And, uh, so yeah. Boy, I, they I, got printed. People read them all over the country. I got I to gotta say, we, there's, there's a couple of, of uh, 12, there's two 12-year-olds this week that blew me away with their insight. One, one little girl says, says, now answer me this. Why is it that, that God doesn't need us, but he wants us so desperately, but we need God and we tend not to want him? And I'm like, what the heck? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that is the deal, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Shoot. Yes. I thought, man, that's really something to ponder. And then I felt bad about it and figured I, I could just wheel myself into straighten it out. And then I read my devotional, and it says I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Just checking in with Devotional Eagle Mike. Yeah, but I'm going to read more. We'll see about this. I'm gonna, I, I, I always back it up. I do devotional first, and then I, then I, I, I read my Bible. Just in case it has to wash out any bad taste in my mouth from the hey, devotional. Here's the deal: you're more likely to hold on to things if you run into them twice. So, like the the if you if you're going to do anything, read the devotional and whatever scripture that they put in it, uh, and then go check in the, in the right context the scripture. And then you having run it through a decent filter, you're more likely to remember the scripture and then the devotional if it actually still applies. So, so okay, last devotional thing. Okay, so so the thing for today was uh, about letting God um, finish your prayers. Uh-huh. And so, and so the instruction was to, to like, they always have this half written prayer out or whatever. And so the, the prayer was like, dear Lord, um, I just want you to fill in my prayers today. I'll, uh, I'll wait. <laughs> and, then, and then like three dots, you know, and then I, you're just supposed to sit there and hang out. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I waited and I waited and I thought, and I waited and I thought I, I should wait deeper. I should have, <laughs> have a deeper weight, a more spiritually connected weight. And so, like, I don't know what I did. I continued to sit where I was sitting, and I'm like, I, I don't know how people do this. That was written by a good Quaker. And then, and then two minutes in, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. Lord, here's what I was going to pray about. And then maybe you just, you know, sail in with uh, some stuff, you know. I thought, man, I couldn't feel any more less spiritual than I do right now. It was terrible. I, I think there's something powerful about being able to kind of sit patiently. Uh, and kind of be in the presence of God, but like you I ain't even read the devotion when you say I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, no Judgey McJudgerson. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually affirming that I feel like there's something valuable to that, but like it is, um, I, it takes some getting used to. I, I think you just don't do it. I think it takes like you're, you're just your mind is so used to moving yeah. and talking and stuff. I think you don't when you don't know when to stop listening. Yeah, right. Like, uh, is that it? Yeah, did I do because like even the patiently waiting is like an event in which you kind of clock in and clock out of. Yeah, and you and you evaluate whether it worked or not, and like that's actually not the point of any of that. <laughs> yeah, and and like if you've had any experience reading the Bible at all, uh, God's patience spans decades. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He will just He's like that's not the time. <laughs> Keep waiting. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, like, the three minutes you set aside is, I mean, it's laughable. It's a laughable amount of time where God's like, yeah, you're going to have a son. Really? I'm like 98. Are you sure? Oh, yes, come. You just just hang tight. Quit getting all giddy up on me. I told you the boy's coming. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, hey, there'll be, there'll be one like Moses to follow. <laughs> yeah.
Just wait. <laughs> a, a leader of men. <laughs> really? Your yes. grandpa's, 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 grandpa will have two more kids and then you'll know it. <laughs> yeah. I told you it's coming from the line of David. What else do you want to know? <laughs> uh, there, so there was, a, um, there was a Harvard study about kids raised in church. And it investigated the health uh, and mental health of children and teenagers who were raised with religious or spiritual practices. Uh, this is going to be vague and unhelpful. What were you talking about anyway? Uh, those who attended religious services at least once a week as children or teens were about 18% more likely to report being happier in their 20s than those who never attended services. They're almost 30% more likely to do volunteer work and 33% less likely to use drugs in their 20s. What about their, what about their 30s, Ben? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't say what they... <laughs> they really fall off. Huh? <laughs> uh, in addition, people who prayed and meditated individually on a daily basis had more life satisfaction, were better able to process emotions, and were more forgiving. They were less likely to have sex at an earlier age and to have a sexually transmitted disease. The Forbes article reporting on the study con uh, concludes some of the fundamental habits that humans have been doing for eons, praying, meditating, might actually have a lot more value than we tend to think. Why would you think they don't have value, dummy at Forbes? Like I don't is it is it, am I missing the assumption that like people thought hey man praying probably garbage don't do anything well if there is no god and and you know it's a waste of time and religious is a crush and all that crutch yeah um, but know. I mean if you don't believe in god then it is isn't it I mean isn't that a, a big old circle like if you you can't say that prayer has value if the prayer is not landing on a a god that you believe in uh oh yeah right. they're looking at the discipline of prayer as opposed to the fact that you're praying actually to a living yeah being. right yeah yeah, like yeah that's your ability to sit on a couch and go okay <laughs> <laughs> uh that's true even even like eastern meditation is centered around a thought of something that is bigger than you and so either yeah. way it's a submission to a world that says like i'm not the king of the world something is beyond me but you dan you're right like they've uh the way they talk about it talks as if like if you just introduce this practice into your life not the actual submission to a higher yeah, it's Power a scientific authority. study, not a yeah. not an actual faith uh, assessment. Yeah, interesting. Um, all this stuff. Well, that's a really big article, Ben. Yeah, so like <laughs> the first three paragraphs or so are about a Harvard study, and then there's an example about Gideon, and then there's addressing the questions: Why God doesn't God work today as He did in the Bible? God works in ways we don't see. God works where He's expected. God works where we join Him. Who needs to be there, Benjamin, today? That sounds like a devotional. Um, it sounds like Henry Blackaby. Yeah, so, but like, the rest of this article looks like he just kind of tacked on a personal blog. <laughs> to the From end. Charles Spurgeon. That was Spurgeon answering all the questions. Uh, yeah, but, no, no, there's just a quote from Spurgeon here. But I just don't understand, I don't understand the relevance of the back half of the article. It doesn't matter. I, yeah, like, I think the guy drafted a blog, they took that part of it, and then they, like... They just didn't mention the rest of what he's talking about, which is basically what is, what is God up to. Does, has that man written a devotional? Uh, hold on, <laughs> let me check. Does it, everybody write one? Adapted from Dr. Jim Dennison's daily cultural commentary at dennisonforum.org. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did a secular devotional. Good for him. What is, what is a secular devotional other than news? That is indeed an everyday thing that you check and devote time to and energy and thoughts. You know, honestly, I've always kind of wanted to, to write a devotional that actually was meaningful to people. Oh, it just yeah. seems like it'd take a lot of time. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, like, because if you're doing it similar, like, uh, it's a bit of a, it's not long form like a sermon, but it's like the yeah. same, it's a similar thought yeah, process. Yeah, but it, it has to have yeah, a kitsch yeah. to it, which makes it, that's, that's what uh, almost, uh, the downfall almost all devotionals is they say it'll be a 40 day and then they put a kitsch in there. And then you got to tie everything to this weird thing that you've said. You know, like uh, like the one I'm reading is about not talking, and so like, and I think it, I think what they're meaning is controlling your words and and whatever. And like, I mean, the Bible sums that up pretty well. And you drug it out for forty days with a bunch of weird stories, and then they cited the same Bible verse all the time. And so like, it's it's hard to write a devotional when you have to pick a topic. Mm -hmm. Although you know, I, I so I, this is not uh, this is not creative at all. But like, I bet we could produce. Uh, a legit devotional, um, which contains, like, you're right. So, so for example, let's say I'm going to do a section on on uh, your words, right? I, I might pick the the Bible sections of the Bible that I feel like appropriate, and then I'm going to repeat it for five days. I'm going to put this the same same thing on page three of that section as I did on page one. It's like reminder: this is what we're working on. Pray about this. Yeah, 
Like, I don't need to give you something new to think about. We still thinking about this particular item right here. Yeah. I that's mean, really what I need. Is I, like, I just need to keep hammering the same stuff over and over again to get my mind focused on it. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing that we're talking about is, is, is obedience to God's character and God's word, right? And so, like, if you haven't nailed that thing, then you're probably still working on it. Yeah. So take anything that Jesus said and just pick one and go, am I doing this? No. Well, today I'm going to do it. And then tomorrow you check in again. Did I nail it? No, I didn't. I'm going to keep rocking this then until I get it done. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a broad breadth of work to look through. And, and you just, we, we hop from one to the another. You know, we're like, yeah. now that I got this money thing straightened out, I guess I'm going to do this. And guess what comes knocking a couple months later? Old money starts starting at the door. Yeah. And it's the same thing all the time. And so I think that that's the thing is like to, for a devotional to be helpful, you really do, you kind of have to pick one subject, but you don't have to kitch it out. You don't have to do weird things with it. You just need to keep repeating what we're doing, why we're doing it, what God's heart is on it, and let's pray on it. And here we go. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually is always always seems difficult. Like um, like when you're um, teaching through a section of the Bible and you're like, oh, we're done. Where are we gonna go to next? And like generally, like we uh, we taught through Mark, and my first inclination was, hey, let's teach Mark again. Let's go back and do the whole thing over. Let's do it like three times before we move on to something else. Because like, I mean, yeah, you felt like you accomplished something. You're like, oh, I know Mark. I'm like, I you know, no. <laughs> you could keep reading. Like you, if you, someone could hand out the Gospel of Mark, and that's all you get of scripture and I, you'd be fine. I feel like you'd be fine. Um, and like we bounce around um, sometimes looking like, Oh, Hey, I, I really want to get to the part cause I want to learn about this thing. I'm like, well, there's enough character of God stuff in any given gospel that like, if you can get that, it'll start answering your money questions. <laughs> yeah. And so like it is, uh, and, and you're right. Like the devotional stretches even further and says, Hey, how do I come up with extra stories and these kind of things to otherwise make this feel like it's new and different. I'm like, you know, I just kind of need the same thing written over and over again every day. Hmm. All right. Uh, there was a uh, there was another article devotional. Uh, uh, this doesn't matter. Is that about Gunger? Yeah. Did you read that? No. Didn't isn't he the guy that said Noah was fictitious? Yes, he does believe Noah was fictitious. So, like, um, do I care about that? Is that a problem for me? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Jesus said Noah's a real dude. So, I mean, that would be, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not worth going to the mats for, to be honest. Um, like, there's a, there's a lot of that, like, biblical interpretation where, like, if we're saying we believe the Bible is true, um, and then there are, I think there's smart people who love Jesus who have uh, some interpretive lenses, especially when it comes to, like, creation and stuff like that, where, like, I, it's not worth me, I'm just not going to fight about it. I feel like the Holy Spirit will sort some of that stuff out, as long as we're, we're talking that, like, this is a true representation of the world. I mean, it'd be super awkward to get up to heaven and there's Noah standing right by the front door. <laughs> hey, Gunger. <laughs> <laughs> Remember me? Not a real man, huh? <laughs> this is Gunger, like the musical artist? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So he went, um, and he, I listened to a few podcasts from him. I don't remember what it was called. Um, um, but yeah, he, he went um, into like full atheism for a year um and is um still on on the the very the very uh, liberal side of christianity um on the other side of it it says uh, once popular christian alternative rock musician michael gunger of the musical collective gunger fully embraced atheism for a year according to his wife lisa the rocker's wife also revealed in the july august issue of relevant magazine that she's not sure how she would define her faith either after briefly declaring herself an atheist during her spiritual evolution in a recently published book, The Most Beautiful Thing I've Seen, Lisa, who founded Bloom Church with her husband in Denver, Colorado in 2006, discusses the evolution of their faith as a couple and how their questions about God and the Bible forced them out of the fundamental Christian space. She explained in an interview with BuzzFeed that her husband revealed his atheism shortly after she learned she was pregnant with her first daughter. They had been struggling to conceive at the time, and Lisa told the Christian Post in an interview Friday that her husband fully embraced his atheism in 2012, but he has since found his way back to God. He says, we really went through this trial and this suffering, and now we're getting this baby girl. Our ideas of God are still deconstructing. What is it that we still believe? Michael looks at me and says, I don't believe in God anymore. Like, I can't believe any of it. And he ends up talking more, and I remember just, like, freezing in my whole body because I was okay with the questions, but I wasn't okay with that. She revealed to Relevant Magazine that she never thought an atheist would look like her husband, who was the son of a Puerto Rican Protestant, Protestant pastor from the Bronx. I knew his struggle, she told Relevant. I knew the leaders who failed him. I clearly remember looking at Michael and saying, gosh, I thought an atheist would look different than this. <laughs> I think there was this idea in my head that once you don't believe in God, now he's going to cheat on me and murder people. <laughs> I mean, that, 
I mean, that seems a little bit of a caricature. <laughs> I mean, I might. I yeah, I have a, you know. I mean, all of creation was meant to reflect God's character, not necessarily cheat uh, on you and murder people. Here's the deal. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like David believed in God and also cheated on people and murdered folks. Yeah, it was so I mean, it's just a weird, it's a weird set of criteria. Uh, yeah. All right. And he say, uh, what is he going to do? Have sex with everyone? And I was like, wow, he's still a great father. He's committed to me. His moral compass didn't break and disintegrate. The Gungers, who married young, tried to get everything right as Christians. No premarital sex, no drinking, no cussing. After working at a mega church in Michigan together, they later began to change their perspective and no longer felt comfortable there. We all have this perspective on who is in and who is out. For Michael and I, that began to change slowly. You have to conform, and if you have doubts, you're a dangerous person. Uh, I mean, that's just not the Bible. Yeah, no, it's not. After many years in the church, Lisa realized later after a visit to the concentration camps in Europe that her perspective on faith had always been a transaction. If I'm good enough or if I pray enough or if I believe enough, then I get blessings and I get a baby or a good life. That's not how life is. Also not how scripture reads. Uh, in 2014, Gunger rattled the Christian community when he revealed that he and Lisa, who are the faces of the musical collective, don't literally believe in stories from the Bible on topics such as creation, including Adam and Eve, and the flood, challenging Orthodox Christian doctrine. The revelation drew the ire of many Christian fundamentalists who made Gunger songs like Dry Bones and Beautiful Things, Worship Anthems. Those are great tunes, both of them. Yeah, they are. Um, Lisa told Relevant that she once completely lost her faith during her period of questioning when one of her cousins was diagnosed with cancer and her family prayed and declared the cousin had been healed. Hmm. And so I get this call one day and my cousin is healed, she said, noting that she was visiting Auschwitz, the infamous concentration camp in Poland at the time she got the call. And everyone's rejoicing and saying, praise God, crying. And I want to do that and have that feeling because I miss that. I miss that rejoicing. God has broken into the world and decided to heal someone, she said. Uh, later on, however, Lisa got another phone call from another family member who said her cousin had not been exactly healed. Well, they said, he's partially healed. <laughs> what the heck? I lost my mind, she said. Like, what does that mean? Agreed. I went on a finely worded rant all in my head and with Michael. I was like, this is garbage. This whole idea is garbage. I said, don't believe any of this. I'm an atheist. I mean... Now, hold on. Almost every point that you've brought up is a failure of people on some level. On all levels. People have created this thing that God didn't say he was going to do or created this clique that God didn't create or created this boundary system or, or things about whatever, no cussing or you're out. I mean, like, these are all things that God did not create, enforce, or shove people in boxes with. And then you're like, I, someone called and lied to you. <laughs> A person called to you and said, hey, your cousin has been miraculously healed by God. And then another dude called and said, well, that didn't happen. The, the first man's a liar. That's it. That's the thing you're mad at. Right. God's not a liar. Man A is a liar. Man A told a lie. Right. Uh, this is tough to hear. Uh, and I, I, I don't, my guess is that this is, this is not all that um, uncommon. Uncommon, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like uh, again, you set up an expect. I mean, I, I, that, that's this goes back to our uh, the devotional uh, commentary. Like, um, there's things that we should like. We need to know more. Like, we need to, to to have full perspectives on things, full stories, right? So, like that we don't take one one portion of something and and run with it, and then say God did not meet my expectations when your expectations um, were outlandish or like they, they like they they weren't principled. In the truth is that has been revealed to us, and it's not that we don't have access to it. We simply just grabbed pieces of things mm -hmm. and said, "I th I believe this will happen at all times." And we took them out out of the places where they belonged, and we threw them into other areas. And then we got pissed that God was not acting in that way when, like, it wasn't the reality to begin with. And and like that is like there's a there's a danger in um in being only a recipient of of people talking to you and not taking some level of responsibility of. Reading things yourself and running things by scripture and saying, hey, hey, uh, the guy's totally healed. And I think to myself, totally possible. Sounds fantastic. And they said, oh, he was only partially healed. I say, well, I mean, that seems uh, totally realistic and also fantastic and uh, not surprised. Yeah. And it, uh, uh, Ted wasn't healed at all. Yeah, I understand that. Doesn't happen to everybody. <laughs> right? Like, these things are, they're not, they're not going to throw my faith one way or the other because realistically, I don't see millions of people being healed. I see mm -hmm. groups of people and individuals at times, but like... It's not everybody, and so I, I'm not surprised, and it doesn't cause me to rethink anything about my faith because I knew better. Hmm. Yeah. It says, uh, Lisa, whose second daughter has Down syndrome, explained, however, that her atheism lasted for only a day, and she's not quite sure how she defines her faith now. 
I think labels and definitions can be good and helpful sometimes, she said. But if there's anything I've learned about having a child labeled as Down syndrome, it's that labels are reductive. You can look at, at our life and the way that we're living, and if you think that's against the way of Jesus and love, okay, that's your perspective. My perspective is I'm trying to live in the way of love and in the way of Jesus the best I know how. I know I don't have it all right, but I love the way of Jesus. I don't have a definition for that. So she was an atheist for a day. Wouldn't that just be like, I kind of struggled for a day? Yeah, it's, it's weird I mean, to call it that, right? Like, it's weird to call it... Uh, it's been kind of sensational. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, why I was an atheist. Yeah, like, I, hey, I was really... I mean, people go through the, the times, right? You gotta, you're digesting a fallen world. And you're like, where's, uh, how do I understand God in this perspective? Mm-hmm. Like, he gets that. Um, and so to say, look, I was completely out. I mean, out. There yeah. is no God for a day. I was foolish and was angry at God. Yeah. People do that. Like a, t- like a teenage girl who's like, you're not my father. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. like, well, I mean, you say whatever you want. But I was obviously. homeless for a day. <laughs> I was an orphan for a day. Yeah. It's like, no, no, you really weren't. That's right. The reality was you weren't, and you weren't an atheist. Uh, interesting. Um, it says, I love the way of Jesus. I don't have a definition for that. Like, I, I get what we're talking about when she's talking about labels. Um, I mean, the way of Jesus is, is well documented. Um, in fact, there can be only one way of Jesus, and that is from the documentation. Um, past that, it might be a way of something, um, but you can't call it a way of Jesus because you wouldn't know you weren't there, and the only thing that we have is the biblical record. And so I feel, I feel like the, the way of Jesus doesn't lack definition. It is, it is defined. I, know, I mean, I there's, there's things that happen in our world that didn't happen in his that um, like require some extrapolation, but like, um, I think there is a sense... Um, on kind of the liberal side of Christianity, like uh, conservative, ultra-conservative uh, Christianity does want to put labels on things because it makes their lives easier. They get to call balls and strikes. Um, uh, the more liberal sides of Christianity um, wants to make things sound greater than they are, mm-hmm. um, as if there's, like, there's, um, there's kind of an ethereal uh, notion of a Jesus beyond the scriptural record. But like when we move beyond that, we need at least be honest to saying we're actually not talking about Jesus from historical perspective anymore. We're talking about some kind of concept of which you want to legitimize, and so you say it is Jesus. That way it doesn't look like you're worshiping yourself or your ideas or whatever it is you think is important um, uh, above other things. And like that, it's just, that's just dishonest. It would be dishonest to me to say I follow Jesus and, and really say uh, I follow me, but I, I, I kind of say I feel like Jesus would do that just so people don't look at me poorly for saying I follow me instead of Jesus. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's the risk, I guess. So if you're listening to me, uh, liberal Christian, um, that is the risk of that thought process. You need to at least be honest about what you're doing and be, be clear that, like, if you may not actually be following Jesus. Um, if you have to define it, like, oh, it feels like Jesus, but, like, you can't marry it up with anything that we know historically of Jesus himself. Uh, let's see. She further told BuzzFeed that she isn't interested in going back to her former life as a conservative. I don't want what we used to have. We live in a different headspace now. It's a completely different perspective, and the connection I feel with my daughters there is uh, no us versus them. There's no you and I. There's no winners and losers. Part of my dream is that people wouldn't be so scared and afraid. I know a lot of people are still in this very conservative fundamental bubble, and they can be so afraid to break out of that fear of what will happen to their lives, and this happens in any religion, she said. That's it. Hmm. Boy. I'm a simple man, Ben. I don't know how to. <laughs> I just, I mean, people say I'm living in a different headspace now, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't even know how to get there or what, it, or what happens there. Uh, I mean, you know, th- th- there is something, um, uh, I-, I think, I don't want to say ultra conservatism because I-, I feel like that got a bad rap. Like, conserving things that are otherwise true shouldn't have a bad rap. So protecting true things shouldn't have a bad rap. That's goofy. Um, I think the same risk existed. It was executed a different way where uh, people overcranked on um, certain things. Like, just, just as you might, might say, uh, I might say there's liberal sections of Christianity that, like, pull the things that they like and they teach on those things and they ignore some of the rest. Uh, the folks who have been labeled as ultra-conservative fundamentalists did the same thing. Like, they picked out things that they weren't generally guilty of, or at least you couldn't see publicly, and they accused other people of it, and they really rammed on those. And they, they also missed a full perspective. And so regardless of which um, extreme that you are on, choosing only bits of the Scripture and pulling them out of context or not telling complete stories wrecks people. 
And, like, you will have a reaction of which, like, when you get beat up by slot A, and then now you take the false thing of slot B, which is generally everything that wasn't in slot A. Like, everything that you got beat up with on on, on this side, um, you reject, and then you take the other things that are kind of left that they, you really didn't get enough of to balance out the, or get the right context for the stuff that, on the fundamentalist side. And then now you worship the, that stuff um, on the liberal side, and then you miss out on the true things that actually give, provide right boundaries definition for who you are who god is what that means for what he's done and what that means for who you are and what you do um and so like uh don't don't um it's this is not a, a liberal or a fundamentalist con, um, christianity thing it is a um not taking in the full counsel of a wise and loving god thing and and just know that like it doesn't end with their rejection of it um it, it creates the opposite problem on the other side which will perpetuate itself and soak up you know 40 years of somebody's life chasing it back and forth Man, that's a weird article. Yeah. I, f- I fully embraced atheism for a year. I mean, maybe you did. I don't know. How do you embrace nothing? What was that guy? <laughs> uh, did we remember the CNN guy? The professor who was like, hey, I'm, uh, um, I want to try to be an atheist. Do you remember that guy? No. Like a preacher, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, or, or like a... Uh, I remember. Something college guy. I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was. It was like, um, he was just going to give it a shot. And and like I, I remember talking about then we're like I, I don't even know how do you how do you give it a shot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because like uh, you can do that if you say um, if this is just a moral teaching so I'll stop or or just a, a, a series of actions I'll stop going to the church and I will stop you know I, I won't it doesn't matter if I swear or uh, have sex with a bunch of people but like. That's actually no morality at all. That's not even a rejection of Christianity. That's just like I'm going to be a, a barbarian. Um, and so, like, I don't know. I don't know how that ends up happening or, like, what it means. Hmm. Yeah. How I, uh, boy, I don't remember what how. I don't remember what the article was. I wish I could find it. It doesn't matter. No, probably not. Okay. Uh, all right, that was it, Mike. That's, that's all the articles I got. I'm ready. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Dear Live from the Path, my mom owns two successful women's clothing stores near my hometown that she's had for more than 10 years. Problem is, she named them after me, and I hate it. <laughs> I've tried to talking to her about it many times, but every time I bring it up, she gets sarcastic, says things like, this is a fun conversation, and doesn't let me get a word out. <laughs> I've tried talking to the rest of my family about it, but they don't consider it a big deal and tell me I'm being ridiculous. I've run out of ideas about what to do, so if you'd give me some advice, it would really help. Give it up. Yep. <laughs> call, call up Wendy and uh, see how the whole Wendy's restaurant thing. Yeah, I mean, is it your full name? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, is it the Ben Foost clothing store? <laughs> or is it like Ben's? Mindy's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, like, if it's, if it's Mindy's, I mean, let it go. Let it go. She, it really what does it matter to you? She don't like everyone knows her. I mean, do they? Is this a problem? I mean, that's not fair. I go past a uh, I go past a bar all the time called Luke's, and I'm not accusing every Luke I ever met as being the guy that owns it. <laughs> that's your bar, Luke. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Nice roofing material. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think she just needs to kind of uh, mature a little bit and say, you know what? That's um, that's my mama's business. You know, that's this what it is. I mean, well, this is a fun conversation. <laughs> 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 yeah, boy. I mean, I don't know how to. You're right. It's not, it's not any plainer than you're, you're significantly overreacting, and you need to let it go. And everyone else doesn't care. They simply don't care. It means nothing to them. No. Oh, yeah. The rest of your family doesn't care. Your mom doesn't care. What's she gonna do? Change your business to what? The, yeah. The Stu- community doesn't care. They're not thinking higher or lower of her because of that store's name. They might may not even know. Yeah. But I, she really comes off as just an angry 15 year old girl, you know, that wants to be mad about something. My yeah. mom runs her own two successful businesses, named them after me. What a terrible decision, you jerk mom. Boy, maybe I'll be, mo- be, more, um, um, be more gracious to, maybe I'll run into a guy named Culver and be like, sorry, dude. Yeah. I didn't realize this has been so difficult on you. <laughs> hey, is your son the Burger King? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, get over it. Okay, Secular says, many daughters would consider what your mother did to be a compliment. However, because it bothers you so much, consider going by your middle name. And if that doesn't satisfy you and you feel strongly enough about this, go to court and legally change your name to another one you like when you reach adulthood. Seriously, though, is it the full name? <laughs> I, it, cannot, it cannot be the full name. 
I mean, here's the thing. It's like uh, people are not just defined by their first name. Uh, they're further defined by their first and last name and mostly defined by their first, first name, last name, and whatever story of their life. Yeah. And so, like, I, there's like five bike foos in the country, as far as I know. One of them's a garbage manager man for the Metro Waste in Wisconsin, right? But people know the difference between Mike Foos from Wisconsin and Mike Foos from here because of the different way we lived our life. And so, like, this name of the store is <laughs> not defining you for who you are. It's not giving away any secrets or, your, or bath time photos when you were three. It's doing nothing. It's literally doing nothing. It's two <laughs> names on top of a sign. <laughs> Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with Secular. I uh, kind of threw it back in her ball, uh, it, the ball back in her court, though. Hey, if you don't like it that much, change your name. I mean, that's true. Like, qu- quit harassing other people and do. Okay, I yeah. mean, that's, a, that's true. I mean, it's her business. It just seems outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, I changed my name because my mom named a store after me. I showed her. Yeah. Now who's Margaret? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking with that. Just give it up. You got to give it up. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like if she changes her name, it provides, like, it somehow validates that this is right thought. It's not. And so, like, I, I don't know. Do you think the mom would be offended? Would you, let me ask you this. Would you be offended if one of your kids changed their name? Yeah. I picked that name out. I'm like, I don't like I it. said it was good. That's how the Lord feels all the time. I said this was good. And you guys are like, no, it's not good. I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to know this my own way. Yeah. Yeah, boy, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Dan. What do you think? You'd be upset if one of your girls changed their names. I, I, I say no, but probably deep inside, I'd be like, "Hey, what's wrong with that?" <laughs> I thought yeah. it was really good. Kind of liked it. What the heck would they pick? Even my name is Balloon or Bubbles. I mean, I've I've always liked Santos. <laughs> I just, I mean, what do you mean you've always liked it? <laughs> oh man, like, would you? Um, you know what though? My mom did that. Oh really? She, uh, okay. Her she, Bernice was her name. Her family always called her Bernice. When I was born, she went by Peggy. Really? Like she, so there was a whole group of people for like twenty years who only knew her as Peggy. Was that her middle name or did she? No, just... it's just some name she liked. <laughs> oh, I'll go with Peggy. Yeah. Her middle name's Leona. I mean, here's the thing: that is bold. You know, yeah. it's not like you have to do it uh, on paper, like to, to the government. Yeah. You're you're Bernice, but as far as everyone else is concerned, you Peggy. <laughs> I mean, what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try to get people to call me Santos starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool name. Yeah, you should be Fooster, Santos Fooster, Santos Fooster. That's a cool name. All right, all right. Here we go. Last one. Dear life from the path. I live in a duplex, and my neighbor has a cat. I'll call him Socks. Oh, this is that's good. positive for feline immunodeficiency virus FIV. I'm a cat lover with a kitty of my own. To prevent the spread of infection, FIV cats are never supposed to be allowed outside. But my neighbor lets socks come and go as he pleases. Live from the path, he comes to our house and uses our cat door to access our cat food and water bowl. <laughs> oh, man. I know socks is at times left without food and water, so I'm reluctant to restrict his access to our food. But my cat has picked up respiratory infections because socks contaminated the bowl. I also have to get my cat tested for FIV during his annual exams at an added cost of $60. My question... Would it be fair of me to request that my neighbor pay for some or all of the extra expenses associated with the treatment and testing due to the FIV exposure? I have asked if she could offer Socks my brand of kibble at her house so he'll be less interested in coming to our house unless he really needs food or water. She refused. I'm not sure if I'm asking too much or if I should expect her to work with me to help offset the cost of her free-roaming FIV-infected cat. (laughs) Signed, Dude. (laughs) Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Uh, Hold on, one of his one of his counter arguments here was, "Hey, you should switch to kittens and bits like I'm using, so that way your cat won't come over and try to eat my kittens and bits." And then he goes, "She refused." So I mean, can you imagine your uh, someone coming over from for like your neighbor stopping by your place and saying, "Look, I don't like the the, the brand of cat food you're using for your cat. I think you should switch to the one I have." And the guy goes. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he needs to stop feeding her. Or, or he, whatever the, the neighbor's cat. I mean, uh, can, Yeah, can you lock the cat? I mean, I suppose if you, yeah. like, block the cat door, though, then your cat can't get out. But, like, that's probably the safest. Hey, let your cat out of the door. Open the door and let the cat out. I mean, does your cat really have to come and go as he pleases like it's an all-night gelato shop? I mean, <laughs> open the door. The cats figure it out. They'll stand by the door. You open it. They go out. They come back when they're done. 
I mean, you put that cat door in for your convenience. Because of your lack of security at your house, then an AIDS cat come into your house and spreads respiratory illness as far as you're concerned. So whatever. Board up the board up the cat door and let your cat out manually. If that's what you're worried about. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's true. Like just because you wanna uh live in a house where you can leave the doors locked unlocked and the windows open all the time doesn't mean that that's actually a viable way to live. Yeah, yeah. So I wanna I wanna have uh, uh I wanna wear a sheer robe and strut by the beach every morning. But I don't live in Morocco. <laughs> so I mean I can give it a shot all I want to, but like it's just not gonna happen here. Right. So I, you're living in a false reality, friend. And and now, granted, he's going to say, well, I have the right to have a free roaming cat door to let my cat in and out. And that guy has the right to let his infected cat roam the neighborhood. And so you, you're at a crossroads. You're either going to have to do something practical or you can battle this weird ethereal question that you're never going to you're never going to win. I mean, you could yeah. call the you could call animal control on a on a wandering cat if you want. I mean, if you wanted to, you'd be like, hey, man, this thing's not staying within its boundaries. It's it's because like most cities actually don't allow cats just to wander around. Yeah, but we should. They spread the disease, Mike. No, if you don't have a cat door, <laughs> I ain't got no FIV at my place. I've had a couple pregnant cats. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, what was the secular advice? Okay, secular says under the circumstances, I don't think it's unfair to ask your irresponsible neighbor to cooperate with you on this. <laughs> on the food thing? Yeah. Good luck on that. Hey, and sharing you, the medical bills. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine your na- ain't no neighbor going to take that well. No. Here we go. However, if she wouldn't spring for something as simple as the kibble, don't hold your breath. The solution to your problem is to make Sox's access to your home impossible by securing the cat door. Right on. And if her cat is mingling with the possibly infected other cats in the neighborhood, call animal control and report it. I mean, the last two paragraphs were solid. The first one about trying to some kind of mea culpa with the neighbor on getting cash for the for the vet visits, I mean, you you, you get a punch in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you know anybody? Do you have any friends? Have you been out <laughs> in humanity in the last 10 years? You can't just call up a guy and be like, I think you should split the kibble and, and medicine bill for my cat because your cat robes over my place. <laughs> You've lost your mind. <laughs> All right, you've been listening live from the path. Thank you for hanging out with us this week. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to work on that voicemail so you can harass the show during the week. Yeah. Uh, we will see you next time. In the meantime, be faithful and means God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.